It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Joining us now from the Athletic is Vic Tafer. Good morning, Vic. Hey, Vic. What's going on, man? Who's winning the NBA Finals? Who you got winning the NBA Finals, Vic? I'm still riding the the Warriors. I think they uh, got over the hump last game. I think they'll win tonight and should be in pretty pretty good shape. Okay. All right. Neither one of us agree with you, so... Hopefully so you're wow, probably right. <laughs> um, I wanted to get your thoughts. Uh, last week, Hunter Renfro's extension was signed. The length of it, two years added on to the one year he has left. Which side do you think wanted the deal to be longer than that? That's a good question. I imagine probably the agent, right? The player's agent always wants as much money for as long as possible. But uh, I bet both sides are happy with the deal. I think there's a... Uh, Clearly, like a two to three year window now, the Raiders are operating under as far as, you know, Derek Carr, Adams, Jones, Crosby. Definitely, it's a two year window to kind of win the whole thing, I think, they're looking at. Uh, they're going to have, I think, six players now on uh, 2023. They're getting paid more than $11 million a year, which is which is a lot. But uh, no matter what, I think it's a chance to get another contract in the years down the road. I think he's probably happy. He's a guy who's a walk on in college who's uh, an overachiever. So I think he's a guy who has to be happy with, uh, with $33 million. So I think, I think both sides are pretty happy. Vic, is there a two-year window for Darren Waller, or is he going to wait? It's a great question. I say, I mean, I think they'd like to do it. I think, you know, obviously everybody wants to um, you have know, all the nice things in your life last as long as possible, but uh, I don't know. I think I mentioned that number of six guys, $11 million each. I mean, do you say that a seventh guy? I'm not sure, but uh, I think they're talking. I will see how it goes. I think um, I'm sure Darren Waller's agent's looking at a big payday. It's not here somewhere else, so. That one could be interesting. I think that one probably, that's why I we get done first, because I think Waller's more of a, uh, um, more of a conundrum for, for both sides. Is he the one that makes the most sense to let go just because he's a little bit older? And also, if you have Adams and Renfro, conceivably you can find a number three target that you don't have to pay a bunch of money to? Yeah, I can see the argument. I also can see it where you say Waller's kind of like a special kind of athlete, kind of both side ends. There's only three or four of them in the league. I think he kind of makes his offense a special. Like, obviously, the other guys are, well, it'll be fine if they didn't have them. It'll be a good offense. But uh, he takes them to the next notch. So I think, um, I guess we'll see how it goes. This, I don't think we'll sign before the series starts, but um, you kind of see what you have, I guess, and see how good the offense is. And maybe he makes it a deal where you can't say, no, you have to sign him because he's that good and the offense is that good with him. I know you tweeted out what uh, Devontae Adams really meant when he started talking Carr and Rogers. People completely <laughs> went crazy about that, and they took it out of context of what he was really talking about. But uh, give us your thoughts on Devontae Adams and, 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 and really what he meant about Derek Carr. And, and, and were you surprised that he kind of let it out about Aaron Rodgers only one or two more years? No, I think he, I think he wants full, you know, full, clo- I mean, full closure on, on the whole deal, kind of the, the truth everyone what happened. I think there's one that kind of hang over his head. I think it makes sense. I'm, obviously, he and Aaron Rodgers are still close. I think they played golf last weekend. There were some photos on the Instagram of those two guys together. So, uh, clearly, he talked to Aaron about what the future held, and Aaron wasn't positive about how long he'd be there, how long he'd be playing for. So, uh, he had a great you know, great option B, and his old uh, college friend, Derek Carr, they play catch every every year, and it's going back to a little bit how long. So, uh, he, he tried. The, you mentioned the whole thing with the comparison of him and of Rodgers and Derek, and I mean, uh, Devontae tried. He tried to hedge. He tried to like set it up, but you just can't do that. Once you say those words, you're, oh yeah, they're similar. That's everyone goes goes crazy. So 
Uh, obviously, and Derek are close, so I think that he's in a good spot. He's very happy to be back in the, on the west side of the, of the, the country. So uh, I think he's, he seems really happy. He seems like he's in a good place. I think he's comfortable the way things went down and the way they ended up in, in Green Bay. The starting right tackle in week one will be? I'm still going to go with Brandon Parker. I think they're giving him a shot to uh, beat him out. They kind of rotated days at the uh, minicamp. But uh, they gave Parker a decent amount of change. He's more of a veteran guy. I think he's probably less downside than Leatherwood. I think Leatherwood can also play with guard. But uh, to me, I mean, they give those guys a shot. And then if one of those guys impresses them by training camp, there's still guys available on the free agent market, guys who played in the league for a while. So I think that's not a bad plan. B, they have some money now because of the uh, June 1st uh, salary cap stuff. So, But my, my gut says better Parker is the right tackle on uh, day one. Uh, there's still people out in the market. They sign a, it looks like a depth corner today because no one really knew who he was or what he did. Um, uh, do you see them uh, signing uh, offensive linemen in terms of that market? Uh, because people keep waiting around for that to happen. Or do you think there's a chance they're saying, you know what, we can coach him up and we kind of like more than what people see? Yeah, they're very confident in their coaches. I think most coaching staffs are confident and turn anybody around. So, well, that was a nice piece of play. I think you should get your hands on him and see what you can do with him. But uh, I think Parker's a guy who they looked at the tape, and they didn't have to bring him back. They, they, they re-signed him for a pretty decent chunk of chain. So now what they like, he's kind of gotten a little better over the years. He's definitely a solid guy who I think he might try to cut back on his mistakes. So I think maybe they feel they can they can handle those two guys. And if not, then they're going to have plenty of time in that training camp. You mentioned this guy's available. So I like it. to give these guys a chance to do it. The guy, well, that was the first-round pick, so clearly some talent and, and, and some size and ability there. So he's worked hard this offseason. Like it looks like he's in good shape. So I, I get it. Give, give those guys a shot, and, and the worst comes to worst. You can find somebody, a veteran guy who comes into camp and get it done pretty quickly. There's been a lot of uh, made about the Raiders not addressing their offensive line this offseason. And I'm curious if you think this is sort of the, the way or the accurate way to look at this whole window to win the Super Bowl. Essentially, this offseason, they locked up their core with wide receivers, Max Crosby, the quarterback, Colton Miller already had the long contract, but basically they locked up their core and then next offseason, they'll fix the offensive line because you can't necessarily fix a whole team in one year. Like, is that a fair way to look at the window for the Raiders? It could be. You also could say they also might feel they addressed their own line because they did, you know, sign Parker. They didn't have to use a free agent. They could let him go. So they gave him, I think, $4 million. So that's, that's a commitment. And they also could have cut them real good, but I think makes uh, $4 million. It wasn't guaranteed. But they brought him back. So to me, that's in their mind. They're saying, hey, look, we're adding a right tackle who couldn't, you know, could have left. And we're adding a, a right guard who could have left for no money. We weren't, you know, didn't have to keep him. So, and you also drafted Dylan Parham as probably your either your center or your left guard of the future. So I guess they could say, "Hey, we didn't address the other line. What are you guys talking about? We we got we have three guys who didn't have to be here next year." Uh, it's happened in the past, I think, to save his body or however, whatever the reasons being. Were you surprised at all though with the new staff last week that we did not see Josh Jacobs? Uh, well, I think he was he's um he's rehabbing his injury, so I think he wasn't going to be on the field, but. I'm not surprised. I think um, I think he clearly will be in the mix. He has no choice you know, at some point. I so I kind of wrote today that I think it'll be more of a committee approach mm-hmm. at running back. But I think he'll definitely be a a, a cog in that, in, that, in that machine. I think he'll definitely get some carries and have a chance to kind of prove himself because he'll probably be back in the uh, 
on the Frazier market next season to have to get some, uh, some good film on for other teams to watch. Is there any effort to trade a running back, or do you think there's not a legitimate market for any of these guys that they'd get anything worthwhile back? Yeah, I'm not sure there's a market. I think teams now pretty much they uh, it's staff running backs. So you can't get you really can't get paid unless you're extremely um, the top three or four guys. But mostly these teams just turn them out and they, they draft guys in and they replace guys. And there's really not much money spent anymore on running backs. So I think the Raiders have shown that they brought in a guy, fourth round pick, who probably would have gone higher if not for the ACL injuries. But he's supposed to be healthy, so he's a guy I think is their running back in the future. And I think he'll get some carries uh, this year. Your biggest concern defensively is what? My biggest concern defensively would have to be, I guess, the safety spot. I think um, I, I think Jonathan Avery was still a question mark. I know they brought in Harmon, who's a guy who uh, has those Patriot ties, but he's a little long on the tooth. He's also a guy who's always having been prone to being beat deep. He, he's a smart guy, knows the defense, but still is not the type of athlete that can be even more so confident about in terms of uh, big plays down the field. So I think that's a question mark right there. And, and quarterback, I like Rocky Sin. I'm not sure about Trayvon Mullen as what his health status is. They brought a lot of young guys to back those guys up. I'm not sure what those guys are. So I said the secondary as a whole is still my, my, my biggest question mark. Besides the other one, we talked about the other line, but the secondary as well. How was John Abram talking to the media this week compared to his first three seasons with the Raiders? Yeah, it's a little sad, man. He came out uh, when he got here. He was really fired up. It was kind of uh, it was a great quote, and uh, it's funny. He was on hard knocks. He was riding horses and holding hands with Cleo Farrell and, and giving Derek Carr a hard time. And just a guy who was kind of uh, enjoyed the limelight, enjoyed the camera and the microphone. I think uh, John Gruden and Mike Mack probably yelled at him a few times, and plus he didn't play that well. And now there's a guy who clearly does not like the process, clearly isn't painfully talks to us, and the answers are pretty short. And Hopefully for him, he has a good year. He can bounce back and get some of that uh, that mojo back. Was this your best drawing of a map that you've had since you've been on the Raiders beat? <laughs> since I've been in Las Vegas, yeah. Actually, <laughs> I topped it uh, when I was in Oakland because they had a brand-new state-of-the-art weight room, which they spent a lot of money on, and they wouldn't show it to us. It was really weird. For the longest time, we couldn't see it. I don't know why. This is a weird group. But finally, they let us in to look at it. They said no photos. They <laughs> took a photo of the new weight room. I was like, are you kidding me? So I did my best to draw it up like I did the other day. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not the artist. I, I admit that. But I try. There's a lot of effort in my, in my drawings. That one was a little more detailed. This one I didn't have a lot of detail besides the mountains in the background. But this is my second best drawing on the Raiders beat. Well, Vic, we look forward to more artwork for you to cover yes. the Raiders. Uh, we appreciate it. Vic Tafer from The Athletic. Thanks, Vic. I got to take care. Take care. Uh, it was a great, oh. great drawing. Um, added, added the uh, the uh, players across the way that stood in front of us, so we couldn't see, you know, uh, screen passes um, or, or or draw handoffs when they're not even t- they're not even touching each other. So those were the big things we missed. I think. Yes. If you, if you haven't seen it, uh, Vic Tafer's Twitter account, uh, he tweeted out a hand drawing of his vantage point of Raiders practice with where the Raiders were practicing, the line of players blocking the view, and then how many football fields were between the actual practice and where Vic and the rest of the media were standing to watch it. Um, it's good drawing. Good, very, very good yeah. artist, uh, Vic Tafer there. <laughs> I uh, I appreciated that. That was good. Um, did Vic have binoculars? I should have asked him I before we let him go. I don't think he did. He might have, oh, he might have borrowed 
Tashawn, he might have. I think I saw him looking through binoculars. He, I don't want to say no. I don't want to uh, say that Vic did not bring his binoculars. But uh, most of them, I most of them, I told you last week were professionally small ones, and I I really looked like a doofus with the big bird watching uh, binoculars. It was it was just really bad because you can kind of get away with it with the small ones if you're looking over, like you don't really know what people are doing. If they had looked over at me and seen my binoculars, they'd be like, <laughs> "Look at that idiot! What's he doing over there?" And like screamed at the PR people, "Why does that guy have binoculars bigger than our building?" Um, it was embarrassing how big my binoculars were. Why uh why do you have such big binoculars? Well, I have two pairs and I have the small ones, but um I like the big ones for the games. You know, you got to zero in across the field and uh I like to, you know, watch each play through the binoculars um just to see if you can see a little more than you know, you're pretty you've been up there. You're pretty far up there in the press you box. Are. You are. Um but the smaller ones would have done just fine last week if I was three football fields away and I like I said it, it was a frantic look in the morning by the way. I got up and I thought they were in my bedroom in a certain place and they weren't. And I'm like, okay, I can't bring those enormous ones we have. So I was frantically looking for the smaller ones and finally I had to give in. I had to give in and take the big ones. Have you found the smaller ones since? No, I have not. That might be be an Amazon purchase, though. Uh Uh-oh. Better start clicking. I might be clicking. All right. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. Speaking as an extremely clever person, I feel a bit personally attacked by the concept of an evil genius. Anti-intellectualism is rife in the world today, encouraged no small amount by a media concerned that their advertisers' claims that their breakfast cereal induces hallucinogenic bliss in woodland creatures might not hold up to rigorous academic study. Bischoff's Briefs. Well, let's see how far your f- street smarts and common sense get you when you need someone to figure out how to turn a city-sized clod of oceanic waste plastic into drinkable water and hospital-grade insulin. Bischoff's Briefs. Just because I'm smarter than everyone else doesn't mean I look down on people. Someone has to make my sandwiches. Just because I can envision a vastly more efficient society with myself as absolute dictator doesn't mean I want to go to that amount of trouble. Just because I ordered the installation of an oubliette in my basement doesn't mean I have sinister intentions for it. Bischoff's Briefs. So stop asking questions and get your jackhammer out. And I had a terrific weekend. Yeah, I was very happy for you. Um, watched the United States beat Grenada in Austin on Friday, then went to Houston and watched a couple of Astros games. Aside from them losing on Saturday, that was stupid. Uh, Great weekend. Uh, I do want to give you a little bit of soccer before I get into what I'm going to complain about. Uh, Jesus Ferreira scored four goals in the 5-0 win uh, against Grenada on Friday. He is the fifth American to score four goals in a game and only the third to do it since 1940. The last to do it was Landon Donovan way back in 2003. Now, this is both important and unimportant. So it's important because the biggest question for the United States roster going into the World Cup is who's going to be the starting striker. We do not have an answer for that. Ferreira was probably the favorite before that game. Scores four goals in a game. He's probably got a somewhat sizable gap between him and the other options right now. So Ferreira would be the favorite, but still not completely convincing. The reason it's unimportant, though, is it happened against Grenada, who is awful. Like it's, They're not good. So doing it against Grenada doesn't really mean a whole lot when we need to beat Iran, Wales, and England in the World Cup. So there's a good chance Greg Berhalter could kind of just ignore that game because of the opponent, but any of our strikers scoring four goals in a game is incredible. Scoring one goal in a game is fun, but scoring four times is unbelievable and is a big step forward for Jesus Ferreira 
actually starting for the world or for the United States in the World Cup. So that was a fun game to go to. But here's my complaint. I got a couple complaints. First off, at the soccer game in Austin, you know what I wanted? I wanted a shirt with either Pulisic or McKenney on the back. A jersey. Didn't want a jersey, but a jersey. And they had some for sale. But guess what? They only sold them in kid sizes. What the oh, hell is that? Oh, it's beautiful. That why, is awesome. Why do these that kids is awesome. get the shirt that I want? Why are there not adult sizes for these shirts? I am so happy this right now. This is ridiculous. I'm so happy. Kids are terrible. Uh, what a nightmare. How many kids were there? Uh, not at the soccer game, not too much. Uh, there was one sitting in front of us, but there weren't. There were too many kids that were at that game. It was. It was uh, mostly adults. It kicked. Uh, the game started at nine p.m. Central Time. Like what? What are we doing? Like it's nine p.m. Yeah, nine o'clock. Oh, come on. In, in Texas, which was fine with me, but what are we doing? That was a ridiculous start time for that. Come game. on, nine p.m. Yeah. So keep the kids at home. It's too late for them past their bedtime. Um. Also, another complaint for you. At the Astros game on Saturday, we sat in right field. Uh, Kyle Tucker plays right field for the Astros. And this kid, maybe 10 years old, sitting right behind me, right over my left shoulder, spent the entire game screaming two things at the top of his lungs. He screamed, King Tuck, trying to get (laughs) Kyle Tucker's attention. And can I have a ball? And I mean, every pitch when the Astros were in the field, this kid was screaming one of those two things. This is awesome because I know how you feel about children. Oh, this kid needed to be punched. Everyone in our section was constantly turning around to look at this kid. And two things. What were the parents doing? No idea. Not not a damn thing. Occasionally being like, hey, calm down, but not nearly enough to shut this kid up. But here's the other part. So Kyle Tucker, when you when you know they warm up in between innings before they uh, start to pitch, he never kept the ball to throw it in the stands. The other guy always kept the ball. So this kid's screaming at Kyle Tucker for a ball, and Kyle Tucker doesn't have a ball. Hell, he's screaming at Kyle Tucker for a ball in the middle of an inning. Like, Kyle Tucker's out here trying to get ready for a ball to be hit to him. He doesn't have one to turn around and throw to you, kid. <laughs> Shut it. He's not giving you a ball right now. Not that and you then, know anything about children, but guess the kid's age for me. Like 10 would be my guess. He's clearly aware of what's happening in the world and still unbelievably annoying. And then it got even worse. Well, better for me, but worse on his attitude, whatever. Ninth inning of the game, he goes down and sits on the front row with a Sharpie because he wants to get Kyle Tucker's autograph. And he thought that after the top of the ninth inning, Kyle Tucker, instead of running to the dugout, was going to run back to where he was and sign something for him with the game still going on. And when Kyle Tucker didn't, the kid looked disappointed like this was the biggest, the most offensive thing that's ever happened to him. This kid was a nightmare. He should be banned from all baseball games. For the There's no life. chance had Ty- Kyle Tucker tossed one in, you would have uh, caught it. You would have turned around and given it to the kid? Not at all. No, and I will tell you this. <laughs> Ninth inning, Kyle Tucker finally did throw a ball into the crowd. Not near and, the kid, though. Okay, so here's what happened. The kid had moved down to the front row, and I do think Kyle Tucker was trying to throw to this kid because he had turned around and looked at him a couple of times. But the kid had moved, and I don't think Kyle Tucker could find him anymore. So the guy, so Kyle Tucker threw the ball 
really close to where I was, I ended up falling over the people in front of me trying to catch it. <laughs> so here's here's what happened. It was there was a guy in front of me. He also fell and the ball's thrown up and it's coming slightly away from me. And I, I like braced myself. I like put my hand on his shoulder to try to like go over the top of him and catch the ball. And you didn't know this person. No, not at all. No chance. And I don't know if I, maybe I was involved in giving him a little extra push there, but he fell over the row in front of him trying to catch the ball. And because I was sort of bracing on him when he went down, I also went down oh. and landed on top of the people in front of me in the in the section. So, My goodness, that's fantastic! That's yeah. the, and and no, and none of you got the ball. No, apparently I did. I was not that close. That guy said that it hit his hand and bounced off, and somebody else got it. Uh, oh. So yeah. So yeah, that was fun. Uh, bruised my knee a little bit hitting it on the the cup holder or something like that. So yeah, that was fun. Um, I have one other complaint for you. Everything in Houston closes way too early, and it's unbelievable. Yeah. We we went to a Mexican restaurant after the game. Great Mexican restaurant, phenomenal. We got there at like seven forty-five to eat dinner. Like eight forty-five, we're finishing up eating. They start putting the chairs up on the tables. <laughs> And we're like, do they are they closed? Are they closing now? Like, what's happening here? And we're like, there's one other table in the restaurant that has people at it. Oh, like what? They, they close at nine apparently. So we left, and we actually found this like pretty cool downtown bar that has like a small bowling alley, like eight bowling lanes or something like that. And we went there, and we hung out at the bar, and then we started bowling for a little bit. Eleven thirty, they made us leave. Like eleven thirty on a Saturday, it's a bar. in a bar, it, right? And I'm like. We got to leave? What do you mean we got to leave? But yeah, we had to leave at 11.30, which was probably good because we went home and went to sleep, which was helpful. But like, it's like, why is everything closing? We got we got effectively kicked out of two places because they were closing in the same night. And it, it wasn't even midnight. Where did you fly in and out of? Well, I flew into Austin where my friend lives, went to the soccer game, and then we drove up to Houston and then flew out of Houston Sunday you flew uh, out after of the Astros game. Yeah. So, right. yeah. It was a good trip. It was a great weekend. I enjoyed everything except that kid behind me at Saturday's game. Boy, you just did Unreal. not like this kid. Unreal. Oh, the other thing I did, this was great. So Saturday's game, they gave away Kyle Tucker bobbleheads to the first 10,000 people. We did not get there in time to get a Kyle Tucker bobblehead because we were not one of the first 10,000 people. Only 10,000? So yeah, yeah. Brutal. Yeah, Absolutely brutal. brutal. Um, so I saw somebody in the concourse. And they had a Kyle Tucker bobblehead. And I walked up to her and I said, would you take 20 bucks for that bobblehead? And she eventually did. So I have a Kyle really? Tucker bobblehead. Yes. All right. That's, that's, that's a business-like of you. Good job. It was. I Proud was, of that. I was very happy about that. I was like, yeah, I'm still getting one. What if she would have gone I'm to 30? Here without it. She did not haggle with me. I, I only had 20s in my wallet. So it was going to be 20 or $40 was all she was getting there. So I, I don't think you would have gone to 40 bucks. I, I might, to be honest, I might have left her and tried to find somebody else because there were other people that had, you know, Kyle Tucker Bob. Right. So I just tried to find somebody else. I would have, as I fell over the people in front of me, I would have just taken theirs <laughs> and went back to my seat. <laughs> they would have never known it was coming. Never known it was coming. All right. So, yeah, it was a fun trip in Houston and Austin. It's a good time. I that mean, Mexican you're falling really over good. people and kids are, I, I love the fact yeah. that kids were screaming at you because I know you're feeling about children. 
Oh, this kid was the worst. Oh, listen, I'm, people that even like kids would have hated this kid. <laughs> I, I really, I really wish you had caught the ball that he threw into the stands because I would have loved to hear this story. Absolutely no chance I was giving it to that kid. I wish I had caught it too, and I would have like rubbed it in his face and been like, "Yeah, this is not yours." That's I what I figured. Ball. Yes, no, no chance that kid would have gotten a ball from me. May, like, there's a chance a kid could have if people guilted me into it. No chance anybody was guilting me into giving that kid a ball. Oh, he was the worst. Oh, by the way, I know we need to go. To, I know we need to go to break, but really quick here, uh, my friend that lives in Austin flew in, went to went to everything with him. Uh, he has like a 14 month old baby or something like oh, that. Oh no. Um, yeah, she's fine. But we got home after the soccer game, two things. We got home after the soccer game Saturday night at like midnight because it started at nine. And we walk in the front door. She is screaming, just crying, oh. just screaming at midnight. Not ideal. I fell asleep fine. Didn't have to worry about it. But we went to Austin and we slept in until like 10 o'clock on Sunday before going to the Astros game. And he was like, yep, that's the latest I've slept in in over a year. Oh, yeah. So absolutely. Never he, got, he got yeah. till 10 o'clock. Yeah. Well, this was in Houston without the baby. baby oh, it's without the baby. This okay. is at a hotel. Right. Yeah. Okay, hotel. No yeah. Right. This is I like a that. hotel. No baby. Yeah. And he slept in until 10. And it was like, yeah, the latest he slept in in over a year. Absolutely. So, yeah. So d- great trip that also reconfirmed my belief that I will never be have children. <laughs> Let's get a break. Because either I can't sleep or they're yelling at me <laughs> into baseball game because Kyle Tucker won't throw a ball to him. Let's go to break. We're back to the press box with Graney and Bischoff. All right, that was uh, about Zion Williamson. We'll see if he ever plays again. Uh, but if he does, he should be pretty good. I'd be excited to see Zion Williamson play some basketball. That'd be fun. Uh, Ed, we actually have an update on our favorite story of the year. Did you see who won the fantasy football league that Mike Trout was the commissioner of and that Tommy Pham slapped Jock Peterson over? Look at Danny. He's laughing right now. Did you see Danny? No, what's Danny laughing? About? No, I haven't seen, but I'm just laughing about the story. Oh, laughing oh, about the story. The, the yeah. slap across the face is the greatest thing. I'm gonna say Manny Machado. No, so Sunday night baseball yesterday, the Angels were on, and they talked to Mike Trout between innings, and Mike Trout gave the detail that Alex Bregman okay. won this fantasy football league. And the funny thing is, Mike Trout was like, "Yeah, don't go asking him about it though, because this is this story's over." and the announcers were like, well, we've got the Astros next week on Sunday Night Baseball. <laughs> so we're going to ask Alex Bregman about it. So this story might live on for another week when we find out what Alex Bregman has to think about. So how was Trout on answering the questions? Was he laughing? Was he? Did he play along? Or did he You figure yes. he wanted to talk about something else? I mean... You could you could tell he did want to talk about something else, but he played along enough. Like okay. it was it was still it was still good. Like he did say that he's pro- they're probably going to be looking for a new commissioner for this upcoming season too. <laughs> the so, last thing is he wants to get involved in this thing again. Right. So he played along enough, but now now we know. But so we have Eric Hosmer, Manny Machado, Mike Trout, Jock Peterson, Tommy Pham, Alex Bregman. Um, that's about half of a fantasy league, depending on how many people they actually had in it. But that's. That's your fantasy league for right now. That's a pretty, pretty wide ranging amount of different teams yeah, that, is, exactly. that are in this fantasy league. So how do they curious. do the draft with all these guys? I don't know. I mean, they got internet access, don't they? Yahoo Draft. Just, just yeah. sit there and get on at the same time. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, that many guys over that that many cities and that many teams. That's that's actually impressive. They got through a draft. 
I mean, Alex Bregman's in Houston. Nothing's open after nine That's o'clock. True. So he probably did just, it early in the morning. Yeah, yeah. maybe. He was so, at your Mexican restaurant and he said, I gotta be up by nine. No problem. <laughs> no problem with us. you you'll be no out of here. At all. So yeah, so there's a there's a slight update on it. Um I want more. I like this is the fantasy football league that A, they need to get Tommy Pham back into the league. And B, I would be willing to get updates on it every week. Like oh, what? Yeah. Ha, yeah. Who and and not not so much who wins and loses, but more about who has a player on IR and is Tommy Pham going to slap them? <laughs> yeah, uh, we because, need them to go public with anything yeah. that they're angry about. Yeah, they, their transactions need to be public information. They need to be on the bottom line of ESPN that Jock Peterson has stashed a running back on IR. <laughs> Tommy Pham has filed an official complaint to Mike Trout, but Mike Trout has ignored him because it is a legal. Because now Alex Bregman is the uh, commissioner. He might so be. Tommy yeah, Pham right. is a, a, complaining to the wrong person. That's right. All right. What NBA topic to get to that uh, was said by Adam Silver a little while ago, but still is an interesting topic here. We've talked about it a lot in this postseason. Injuries. And the amount of injuries we've seen, it's happened now two years in a row after the bubble we have seen a lot of injuries in the postseason, and it's led to, I mean, frankly, worse basketball. We've had worse series because of it, where multiple teams have either missed their best player or second best player for an entire series or games at a time. Obviously, you're going to have guys that get hurt, but the amount that we've seen two years in a row is concerning. Adam Silver said, when asked about link or shortening the length of an NBA season, he said, what we don't see is increased number of injuries as the season goes on. It's not as if because of fatigue over the course of a season, you see more injuries. We do see a connection between actual fatigue, for example, back-to-backs or three in a row. We think that potentially can lead to more injuries. So basically, Adam Silver saying, 82 games is not a problem. We don't see any evidence that an 82-game schedule leads to injuries. However, there might be some evidence that playing back-to-backs or three and four causes more or injuries to be more likely. Uh, is he lying? Uh, I mean, he's going. He's giving us evidence that he says is is the ones he had. But I look. I've always tended to believe that they that the, the length of the season has contributed to some of these. We, we've we just seen too many of these injuries. I mean, you've made the point a million times about these playoffs, and it was egregious how many injuries there were. We never got full teams. We never got, like, really the series we wanted to, wanted because of all these injuries. So lying, I'm not so sure. G- disingenuous about what the real factor is, he might be doing that. Because I think the key here is what does Adam Silver want, or maybe more importantly, what do the owners of the NBA want. They do not want to cut games because they lose money. If they lose, if they drop games, they get revenue from every game that they play. They don't want to cut games. So Adam Silver is the commissioner of the NBA. Adam Silver representing the owner's interest. He is not going to come out and say, we need to cut games to cut down on injuries because that would effectively be saying, we're going to cut down on revenue from these teams having games to there try to stay healthier where they do benefit is to say no 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 the season length is perfectly fine 82 games is no problem hell we should add more he's they, they do benefit if they keep the season at 82 and find another way to 
fix the injury problem, even if they don't actually fix anything, because that allows the NBA to keep the same revenue level in terms of games played and how much money they get from those games. So it is in the best interest of Adam Silver and the people that he represent to keep the season the same length. So even if there's maybe some evidence to point to, hey, an 82-game season is bad for health, is bad for guys staying healthy, I don't think you'll hear the NBA. You You won't hear Adam Silver say that because they don't want to have that happen they want to keep the season yeah. 82 games oh because of the money yeah that's the only reason they do anything is because of the money yeah and they have that well they're going to take games away if they have that in-season tournament aren't they yes they, but no everybody would still, still play, end up playing everyone's still playing 82 yeah i think so like they would cut there'd be there'd be like less regular season games technically, right but you'd still end up playing the same amount of games because of the tournament so, okay, I, I get that. So you're still playing 82 no matter what. Right. So you're still, yeah, you're still going to end up with the same amount of games. And honestly, I think teams that went far enough in the tournament might end up playing more than 82 games right. in a year, which is the opposite of what people are suggesting. But well, like, if, you're, if you're worried about fatigue and injuries, then why are you playing three in a row? Yeah, did they, and he said three in a three row. In a, I, I, I do not remember three in a row. Now, back-to-backs happen a lot. I think he probably meant to say three and four days. Yeah, three and four that, days. There's no way someone's happens. playing three, three and right. three and four. They they would make a huge deal we, about that. We have NBA teams resting guys on every back to back they play. Yeah. they'd throw a fit if they had to play three yeah. in a row. They'd be like, "We're not doing that. We're just going to forfeit the game instead of even showing up." So, I yeah, I don't think three in a row happened. I'm thinking that's three and four days. And then hell, you get to the NBA finals and there's 17 days off between games, like they're. There's there's three potential games left in the NBA season. Game seven Sunday, like if we if they get there, it's Sunday. It's gonna take it's them an Sunday? entire Sunday. Yeah, they they're gonna take Friday Saturday. For, or the last game was played on Friday, and if it goes all the way, they're gonna play three games over the course oh. of what is that nine or ten days? Yeah, it's brutal. That's what they do. But it's the NBA, so here we are. So there you go. There's Adam Silver. I think they should shorten the season, but I don't I do think too. there's. Uh, any legitimate chance that they actually would shorten the season. All right. We've got tickets to give away. Motley Crue, Def Leppard, the stadium tour with Poison and Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Friday, September 9th at Allegiant Stadium. Tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster, but you can win a pair from us right now. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. 702-364-1100 if you want to go see Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison and Joan Jett and the Blackhearts on September 9th, 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number 11 at 702-364-1100. Accuracy-wise, I'm going with Tua all day. So which one would you rather have? The deep ball where you got to scramble around the field to try to go find it? Or nah. do you want that accuracy to hit you right in the bread basket on the run? I want it to hit me right in the bread basket just like I did in the Buffalo Bills game and take it 70. And the rest is history. And again, this is not a shot at anybody. Right. This is just stuff that had to be said. It needed to be said. It needed to be said. There was a lot of um, times during the year that we felt that Tyreek was underutilized um, and wasn't fully uh, appreciated. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. All right, Danny, we're going to wrap up the show with an important update. How did your Mario Kart tournament go over the weekend? 
Uh, it went pretty good. I actually, <laughs> uh, I did the best I've ever done in that tournament. Nice. Uh, what round? I got knocked out in the third round. There were five total, including the championship round. Really? So there uh, were five so rounds that included the championship. You got knocked out in the third. Yes, I nice got knocked out by you. I got knocked out in the third. So that's the quarterfinals, eight, right? Eight people finished above me. Uh, okay. So fourth, third round, eight would be the quarters. Yeah. Okay. All uh, right. Eight, eight was actually the semis because the championship round was four people. Oh. So the so top, you got knocked out in the quarters? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, Good quarters. for you. Yeah, it was hey, pretty good. You get knocked out in the quarters in Wimbledon, you're making a lot of money. I won the most races I've ever won on that game. <laughs> Were people surprised? <laughs> if, they gave a tro- oh, yeah. if they gave a trophy for the most improved? Oh, uh, yeah, I would probably get it. You'd have walked away with it? Like, my buddy who hosted it and puts it on every year, he was like, dude, you did really good. I've never seen you play that well. And then next year, I'll probably lose every single race in the first round. <laughs> I might have used up did, all of the talent I had on this one tournament. Did the favorite win it, like in the, like in the Breeders? No. Did the favorite win no. it? No. The championship bracket had three previous winners in it. And then wow. the fourth guy who ended up winning the whole thing, he had never won it before, so we got a new winner. So you have four defending champions now, or four four champions that would have been in that bracket. Yes. And he got a uh, trophy. Yes, he got yes. a big trophy. Oh, okay. That's what you want, Ed. You want the trophy. Yeah. Um, I learned on Twitter that John Von Tobel is also involved in this. Yes, I. he was actually in my second round bracket. Did you take him out? Yep. Wow. Oh, there man. you go, kid. Yeah. Wow. Good for you. Shut down. So this listen, I'm this I'm I'm jealous a little bit. Sounds fun. Like I not that I'm any good at Mario Kart, but I I want to do this. I no, I don't want to play Mario Kart there because I'll lose in the first round because I'll be terrible at it, but I'll be a free win for you. But it's very good and good job, Danny. You you set the bar low enough for yourself that you didn't have to do very much to uh surpass it exactly i went in with no expectations nobody figured i would do anything and boom how long does this how long does this take uh we probably started racing around 7 30 ish and the championship race finished about 10 o'clock oh okay yeah there were 30 37 people in the entire thing in the entire tournament all right. Good thing you weren't in Houston. They would have kicked you out before you could finish. Oh, yeah. We, <laughs> we would have gotten semifinals. All right, everyone leave after this race. Guy would have kicked you out of his house. <laughs> That's right. All right. So there's your Mario Kart update. Uh, it's a good update. We have an update also. I forgot about this from uh, Pops Ramirez. You, you're going to love this update. Oh, yes. Yeah, the deucer. Uh, the deucer apparently squatted 677. That sounds like a lot. I don't that know That sounds like a is. lot of weight. But that's a lot. Yeah. Did he win? Was that a was that a winning I number? I have no idea. Oh, I'm just get, come, I'm just, on. come on, Willie. Give us the give us the real did he win this thing? I mean, if he didn't win the squat, someone's squatting a lot of weight. Six seventy seven for the deucer. Oh, that's a that's a big number. Is I don't that, know what it means, but that sounds big. Is that yeah, it does it sounds like a lot of weight. Um so I wonder if the deucer just enters the squat, or is he like also on the bench? Is he also like you know on on other lifts, or is is this a situation where you're just you're you're an expert at the squat and you enter just that and you go for six seventy seven? I was actually sent a uh, video by our friend uh, of the deucer doing this. Oh, I, man. I, I, I've got a video of it. Yeah, and it's uh, it appears like there's a lot of plates on it. 
if I'm looking at this correctly, it appears that there's a lot of a uh, lot of weight on this thing. Oh, the Deuce Gruden updates are my favorite updates. Yes. I I want him to win whatever tournament. I want him to he's win everything. Into. I want him to be the world I, champion squatter. I'm pretty sure we've had this conversation, and I have forgotten the right answers to it. But I think he does slightly different weightlifting from what's in the Olympics. But I want him to be in the Olympics. Oh. I would be if we got if we got Olympic weightlifting with Deuce Gruden. Oh, I'm watching every second yes. of Deuce Gruden. It'd be awesome. No, we are we are not covering any sports other than Deuce Gruden lifting weights. Three hours if that of Deuce. Yes. When's the next? That's a summer Olympic sport, right? So we got we got a few years of we got Deuce a few Gruden years. to get in. We got a few years. Okay. I wonder what the I wonder what the peak age is of power lifters. That I don't know. The Deucer and you're 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 calling for the Deucer in Paris. Yes, Paris 2024. Deuce Gruden getting a, on the medal stand as an Olympic champion. That's, that'll be terrific. That is the sports story we need. Uh, he might not even be a coach with the Raiders anymore, but we will still be following Deuce Gruden's <laughs> powerlifting career. Who knows where he'll be? In the Olympics is all we want. Deuce Gruden, Olympic champion.